Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Hey, welcome to my show this week. This week we are going to be talking about something that um, if you gotta be hiding underneath a rock to not know what's going on here in the United States. And today we are going to have an open and honest discussion of the death of George Floyd and the state of race in America. Um, you can't turn on the news, you can't watch social media w without seeing this. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I knew that I had to do my part to do something and bring it up on my platform. And I, I've once said to somebody, I just wanna make a little ripple that turns into a wave of change. And it's something that's difficult to talk about it's going to be difficult to talk about, but we're going to talk about it on today's show. I have a great uh, friend of mine. Um, he's a great, he's going to be a great guest. I know it. Um, I've known him for years. We were on tour together and it seemed like every time we were on tour together, we would always be able to have really, really great conversations about difficult things. And I thought to myself, what better man to have on my show today, today to talk about the things that are difficult that's going on in America today than my friend Chris Bryant. Now, Chris Bryant served in the United States Army, 82nd Airborne Division. I mean, this man has done it all. He is a husband. He is a father. And uh, just a great man. And I please put your hands together. Please say hello to my good friend, Chris Bryant. There he is, the man, the legend in the house. Hello, Johnny D. What's up, buddy? How are I'm you? Well, with all things considered, um, actually well. Thank you. Believe it or not, Chris, I, I can't, I, other than that, I'm okay. <laughs> hey, I, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for for taking some time um, today out of your day to um, discuss this. And I know it's probably going to be. Uh, I, I know it's already difficult for me to, to be able to talk about this stuff. I know that I've been getting text messages and emails and private messages all day today um, um, asking questions. And, and, and I'm going to have to ask some really, really tough questions. And I want to see the answers through the eyes of you. So I can't thank you enough, Chris, for being here. I can't thank you enough for serving in our in our armed forces. Um, I know I just told everybody that you were in the 82nd Airborne Division. Thank you so much for serving our country. Um, you're a gentleman and a scholar. And let's just jump right into this. We only have a little bit of time, Chris. But Chris, I have to ask you, what was it like and, and, and how did you feel when you saw the video of that officer's knee on the neck of George Floyd? I heard about it before I saw it, Johnny. And the most tragic and unfortunate part is that when I heard about the, um, the entire incident, it was almost commonplace and normal for me. Uh, the particulars of it was somewhat unique because I... Uh, I think I was on Facebook at the time, and there were many people stating that this one, and, and, I, and I specify the interesting uh, term, this one was sickening to me. This has gone too far. For, so for some reason, even though all the other um, unarmed black men that have been killed at the hands of police officers were tragic stories in and of itself, for some strange reason, this one seemed to have a lot greater uh, magnitude of 
venom. And it's something that had obviously uh, pushed the tolerance of any person, black or white, beyond their limitations. And mind you, it occurred uh, on the heels of not the death of Ahmaud Arbery, but the discovery of, of, of what certainly appears to be his murder. So the community had not healed from the Ahmaud Arbery incident. The community had not healed from the uh, uh, significant number of similar incidents throughout the course of at least eight to 10 years. Yet, with, with that ha having that type of sordid and painful history, uh, for some reason, this particular uh, death uh, exceeded them all. If you, know, if you have to have the dark experience of even comparing them. So with that in mind, I was hesitant about getting the details because I've seen enough gore, I've seen enough uh, uh, incidents of uh, evidently unjustified act, acts of deadly aggression from police officers. And I say, when I say unjustified, I say that because in the vein of the men that were unarmed, okay? Uh, so with that in mind, it had been so much of that, considering that there was evident anger and resentment for this one beyond the others, almost collectively, I hesitated to watch it. When I did watch it, I watched uh, a sanitized version of it, okay, if there's any such thing. I knew, I, before clicking on the video, I think there were a series of videos. I clicked on the one that had the least amount of time span. There were videos that were more extensive. There were some that obviously had more details. If there were seven videos available, I found the one that had the least time span, so maybe a minute or so. And in that particular video, there was no uh, lead in to the incidents that led up to uh, uh, the tragedy itself, but it's totally focused upon uh, the knee of the officer on Mr. Floyd's neck. And there, obviously there was sound to the video. So I heard people, uh, the, the, those who were in the area, yelling at the officer, pleading with the officer uh, to get off of him, to allow him to breathe, to give him water. And I also heard some of the uh, audible pleading, the pleading of George Floyd himself. And I think that video also captured at least the moments that he was motionless. I don't I, I know at that time that he was deceased. You know, I had heard this man was, I didn't know if he was, if his state of decease occurred on the scene or later thereafter. Nevertheless, after watching it, I felt the same thing that many others had voiced that this had gone way too far. Not to say that there was any excuse, um, any lack of motivation to pursue change and all of the others that went unanswered and unaccounted for. But this one in particular being so bold and so brazen to happen what appeared to be either broad daylight or pretty close to the, to the early part of the evening in the uh, uh, within the vicinity of dozens of people, at least 10 to 12 people uh, that were witnesses. And the officer <laughs> seemed so cavalier, so relaxed, so accustomed to uh, the execution of abuse that he didn't care. So yes, yeah. I believe that above all was beyond the brink. 
Yeah, Chris, I don't know. Um, I did this exactly the same thing as you. I watched the small version and then, you know, I, I, I wanted to be more educated to see what else had happened. Um, and, and what really, really got me was the whole thing was disgusting. But at the end, at the very end of his life, he was he, he was calling out for his mama and his mama has, has been dead for two or three years. So at that point, I started to think that maybe he was, you know, starting to die. And he was calling out for his mother that's not even there. And just like you, Chris, that man knew that people were taking videos. He knew. He knew. And then there was three other officers that didn't do anything about it. I don't know if that that got to you as well as is to know that there was three other officers that didn't do anything about it. The fact that there were three other officers that uh, did not intervene and were obviously complicit with what was taking place, that above all was not surprising to me. I understand, most people understand there's a certain code of silence among police officers. Uh, the illegality of their conduct is not uh, held to account. Uh, they, of course, don't want to uh, uh, snitch on one another. So uh, that part didn't surprise me. Look, Laquan McDonald in Chicago, if I remember correctly, this young man who was, of course, uh, unarmed, uh, he was bullet riddled. I, I think the officer that uh, killed him fired no less than 16 rounds into this man's body. He was in the company of other officers that were in a semicircle around the corner in the area at the time. And those officers purposely turned their head in order to pretend as though they didn't see what was, what was going on as though they didn't hear the, the weapon being fired. So that was egregious. That was heinous. That was, uh, I'm not sure if they knew that was being videotaped, but nevertheless, again, they were cavalier. Um, the, in most cases where a uh, person of color has been killed by a, an unarmed person of color, I might add, has been killed by a police officer, it was seldom done with that police officer being alone. That was someone with him in most cases. And the, uh, uh, the final result was always the same. We, we don't have an example where a police officer with an accountability to quote, to serve and protect has testified against another police officer in such a case, in such a shooting. So no, it did not surprise me that the other officers were so um, comfortable uh, in their what appeared to be collusive and acceptable conduct with what was taking place. Chris, you said just a few minutes ago that things need to change with I, like, let me ask your opinion of what you think of all the protesting that that has been going on for the last four days. And then let me ask you after that, let me back it up with how do you feel not only about the protesters, because there is a lot of great protesting going on. Um, I know that uh, I know friends and family that have been down protesting um, and, and it was all great. And, you know, people were getting along. But then there's also the protesting at night that seems to be, you know, um, looting, looting in, in, in all these stores and restaurants and everything else. How do you feel about that? Okay, well, Johnny, let's take this in sequence. Let's go with uh, what is the most asinine thing in the mind of, uh, of those who sit at home and observe, particularly those who are not of the African-American community. Let's take the most extreme measure that has a negative impact against those who are innocent of uh, the circumstance altogether, business owners. 
whether they are a small business owner or the business is a is owned by a conglomerate. Let's so let's skip. Let's 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 go all the way up, or in this case, all the way down to looting, which is uh, the most egregious thing that as it relates to protests. Um, looting, Johnny, does not just happen. <laughs> no one awakens and begin to loot a retailer or a commercial district. Just doesn't happen. Looting is the sequence probably the final sequence of something else that has taken place prior. Let's call that thing protesting. Uh, well, protesting doesn't just happen either. Before protesting, there is disparity. There's disenfranchisement. There's racism. There's maltreatment. Uh, there is a failure at the judicial system. There's There are things that deprives uh, sometimes the basic human dignity of a person. Okay, so now we're at the point where uh, when those things have taken place to such a degree that there becomes a growing movement to make a change. That occurred, and I would say the most uh, benign, if you want to call it benign, of, uh, uh, aspect of voicing the necessity of change was uh, simply social complaints, whether you're complaining about it on social media, things that really may not have that much of an impact. Uh, but it went beyond social complaints to, and let's specify here, since we're talking about the looting, let's specify here just those things as it relates to the uh, killing of African-American, unarmed African-American men. Um, the first major action that took place to peacefully protest that was of course Colin Kaepernick. He was the first to do so on, on a truly national scale. Black Lives Matter did so prior to Colin, but that wasn't really considered national. There were so many other uh, descriptions of some, you know, the, 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 the negating of their purpose and their mechanisms became a greater story than uh, their, their mission. But Colin Kaepernick, uh, who didn't block traffic, who uh, didn't have a large base of people, he didn't have a large base of people from a organizing or, or boycotting or civil rights standpoint, he had a base of people who love the fact that he can throw a football, entertain on a sports field, but he, he was not a civil rights person. So his protest, at the risk of his career, uh, he had a lot to lose, Johnny, at the risk of his career, his yep. protest was simply kneeling. If that was anything truly egregious that Colin did, I would say wearing socks that were pretty visible with the terminology, derogatory terminology of pigs on it, referring to police officer, that should not have happened. It should not have happened. It's okay if he feels that way, but because he's a professional athlete and because of, that's a derogatory terminology, Colin should not have worn those socks in any visible way. I will isolate his offense there. As it relates to kneeling, he was expressing his, his, his constitutional right. And as many pundits stated, again, though, though President Trump reviled his show of, uh, of, of peaceful uh, demonstrating, the very military that he claimed Colin was disrespecting, which he wasn't, fought for Colin to do what he did. Okay, that wasn't accepted. Uh, the NBA eventually banned Colin Kaepernick for doing what? because he showed leadership, but he showed peaceful leadership. He wasn't 
it may have been offensive to those who deemed themselves neo-patriotic, but he didn't call anyone outside of their name. He didn't do anything that was threatening. That He didn't do anything that should have been deemed threatening. That didn't work, Johnny. He was reviled. He was what we call in today's lexicon, blackballed. <laughs> That's a beautiful name, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he was blackballed, Johnny. And so, and mind you, a very talented person in the, in, in the NFL. That happened. Black Lives Matter, sometime after that point, became more pronounced in their conduct. Then they began to block traffic, lock arms. It wasn't violent. They didn't, they didn't loot, Johnny. They didn't bust car windows. They blocked traffic. Not that that's a cool thing to do. In fact, you got to be uh, pretty brazen to do that. I'm not walking on a damn expressway. <laughs> it's not happening. But they did, it. they did it in order to bring about the necessary attention for their desire to change. Okay, Johnny, that was revowed. Colin Kaepernick kneeling, reviled. Uh, uh, um, Black Lives Matter, peacefully protesting, loud but peaceful, reviled. <sighs> then we get to the point where now, by this point, police officers are emboldened. You know, we still, most of us still have, we have the root of a child in us. If, if, if our parents, as children, do not discipline us, allows us to get away with, with a number of things that we shouldn't do, our conduct will become more extreme. We will we, we will be right. misbehaving in greater volumes. Well, police officers who were videotaped killing unarmed black men that they could have subdued in, in various ways. And in case there were cases where there was no subduing necessary because the man was running. <laughs> that was a law. <laughs> Someone breaks in my house, I have a right to shoot him down. But if he gets outside of that door, Johnny, he's no longer a danger to me. I cannot kill him. I'm going to jail for manslaughter. You have guys running right. from police officers, and they were slayed by police officers. And these, and, and the DA, in some many cases, refused to bring charges. Grand juries refused to indict. So now you have a situation where it is not an exaggeration. It had become open season on black men, black men who were not. I, listen, I, I I'm very particular to try to specify those who who were in in no danger of harming the police officer in any fatal type of way, any fatal. Because I can understand if a police officer's life is in jeopardy, he has to protect his life. That man wants to go home and see his wife and child as well. I get that. But if he's running, if he's unarmed, and particular, if, you, if you're in the presence of other police officers, he's also outnumbered. There's no reason to shoot him. So these things happened. Right. Uh, there was no accountability. There was no condemnation. There was no jail sentence. There was there were in many cases uh, civil penalties, but the police officers didn't pay that. So there was no consequence. So just as that child who acts out because the mother and the, the, the mother and father didn't discipline him or her, now he's emboldened. So now the acts of defiance and the uh, what appears to be murderous and targeted conduct becomes more pronounced. So now we can choke to death Eric Gardner in New York City in broad daylight, though he's not armed, though he only has the uh, supposed crime of selling cigarettes. And he there are five or six officers around him. And the first contact I watched that video, the first contact made with that officer uh, with him was the officer using the chokehold, which is against the law in New York City. That was not prosecuted. It was prosecuted, but the officers never went to jail. So you get to that point. You see no way of achieving goals of humanity using peaceful methods that the United States has decreed is the way to get things done.
So now you're at the point where the black community by and large has a choice. Either continue these uh, efforts that are getting no results, which means basically you have accepted the sickening decision to, uh, to, to uh, uh, allow yourself to be annihilated, or you do whatever is necessary within reasonable means to get the attention of those who make decisions who have ignored the more diplomatic and rational and reasons methods uh, methods to get an answer. So going back to the sequence, there was there were grievances, legitimate grievances. There were efforts to address them peacefully. There were efforts to address them with a little more outrage, blocking traffic in major cities. There were efforts to address them by kneeling on a city during a, uh, on the field on Sunday during a major football game, that all uh, type of protest that also extended beyond the NFL. It even I mean, it just, just went, went to a soccer field uh, in some cases. So it extended. All of that failed. So now you're left with find a way to get attention or continue to meet an early death. The protest started. But remember, again, peaceful efforts have been done before to no avail. So the choice that the leaders of this nation, local and national, not just this doesn't lie squarely on the lap of President Trump, because at the local level, you have an attorney general. At the local level, you have DAs. At the local level, you have uh, the ju judicial process to hold those officers accountable, even if the state doesn't have a, a hate crime bill. Those things never happen. So at the local level, there was a malfeasance. At the national level, there was a malfeasance. So now you're at the point where forget about black, forget about white. Now it's at a point of human survival. So you, so what has been done that amounted to the protesting that didn't get results? When a protest does not get results, it automatically escalates to a riot. Automatically. When you have a riot, a riot always includes looting. The two are one. There is no riot that does not include looting. So what do I say about the looting? We don't want looting. America doesn't want looting. No nation does. But to not want looting is not enough. How do you prevent looting? You prevent looting by preventing the necessity to riot. So you asked me that question, but the, the America has the answer. Now, that's from an overall standpoint. Now, let me give you something as I conclude this a little more personal. When I look at the protest and this meaning, its purpose, what is it intended to accomplish? I wish there was no looting, Johnny. I do. Does that discolor their intent? Does that take away from their intent? Absolutely it does. But at the same time, they had to find a way. They've done protesting, protesting before. They had to find a way to make the system pay attention. So if you have to touch, if you have to affect touch points of sensitivity, touch points of value to get the attention of others for the saving of life, then you do that. That is how I feel about the looting. I don't justify it, but if I have to choose between riots, which includes looting, unfortunately, or allow the continuous reign of terror against the black community, I would say go with the rioting, even if it comes with the consequence of looting. You can rebuild a store. You can rebuild a, a, a commercial center. There's not one black man that's been killed 
period. But let's focus over the last 20 years, starting with Rodney King, and there were many before then. From Rodney King to today, Johnny, it's roughly 30 years. There has been three decades of slaughter of unarmed black men. Why should I, at this point, allow the discomfort and the cringeworthy witness of looting cause me to have less value for the countless black men that have been slaughtered uh, over de three decades? So, so that is my answer, if, and hopefully that uh, brings some clarity. Yeah, absolutely, Chris, and, and, and I appreciate you bringing that clarity to all of us, and that was very, very well said. And Chris, um, if you don't mind, would you stay on for the next segment? I will, Johnny, if I'm around. I hope you help me. <laughs> okay, man. Cool. I'll see you in just a couple minutes. I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Be safe, have fun, and have yourself an outstanding day. We'll see you in just a couple minutes.